So on today's episode, I recorded part of a conversation with Mark Cobbs, who's been on my podcast before. And the topic of today's discussion is about rhetorical questions. Now, for anyone listening to this, there's actually something called question tags that Mark discusses in this episode, which are super interesting. They're a way of allowing people to follow you better during a conversation. So if you feel like sometimes when you're speaking to people, perhaps they start picking up their phone or they're looking elsewhere or they're distracted. If you can pick up on the use of question tags, which we discuss in detail in this episode, they're going to enable you to be able to communicate better. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. So Mark, what's your general view on communication as a whole? Well, communication is an umbrella term that, and it involves many, many things. Um, it's really hard to pigeonhole communication as a word um, because there are so many facets to it. So if we just draw our attention onto rhetorical questions, um, can you give me a, a brief explanation on what they are? Yeah, okay. So we're, we're focusing on rhetorical questions and, uh, you know, that is a facet of good communication. Uh, rhetorical questions, I think we need to define the word rhetoric and rhetorical. Rhetoric is the art of being able to speak generally um, for effect and for impact and for persuasion. Um, so a rhetorical question is a question that is posed for effect and for persuasive pers uh context rather than anything else it's not a simple yes no answer so a rhetorical question is specifically used to persuade people to a method of thinking is that how you best describe it yeah that's not too bad um gary uh, you know rhetorical question questions i is provokes thought it provokes thought to the audience or to your listener. As I said before, it's mainly part of speech or speaking as part of your communication. But of course, it can be used in writing as well, although it's not as easy to pose a rhetorical question in the written word as it is in the, in the spoken word. But you're absolutely right. It's about provoking thought to your audience or to your listener. So say, for example, um, I'm speaking to having a conversation with someone. And I would like them to become intrigued, which is obviously an emotion that you can feel. Would you be able to use a rhetorical question in that in that way during dialogue to get them to feel the emotion of being intrigued? Yes, absolutely. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, emotion is part of the art of rhetorical questioning. Um, rhetorical questions is actually a figure of speech. And if you want to sort of prod somebody's emotions, then the art of, um, at, you know, Honing in on emotion is part of the rhetorical question technique. So you're absolutely right. Um, you know, there are many ways of provoking or getting in touch with somebody else's emotion by asking a question that evokes emotion in the listener. So I guess the way most people go about communication from, from my experience is they would say something in general conversation like, oh, one thing I find really interesting is this. But actually that doesn't evoke the feeling of in interest or intrigue in the person that's listening. You're just vocalizing what your thoughts are. So is there a way to, to backwards engineer a rhetorical question? So rather than saying, oh, one thing I find intriguing, is there a way of moving that across to actually make it into a rhetorical question to get the other person to feel intrigue? Well, based, yeah, I mean, based on what you've just said, I mean, the rhetorical question in your statement or, or what you've just said would be, um, is something like, Guess what I find intriguing? Um, something like, um, what intrigues us most? Um, 
isn't that intriguing? Uh, you know, where the answer, it's a question, but the answer is already formed in the listener's mind. Now, you probably have that answer. Um, and you're just underlining for impact purposes the word intrigue. You want that uh, person that you're talking to to sort of focus on the word intrigue. You want to, them to find something intriguing. So you ask them a question that you are able to answer after you've posed it. So obviously this forms part of influence and persuasion, which we, we did a podcast on before. So... I'm guessing then that a rhetorical question specifically, if you're using it as a technique, is to allow or to guide the other person into coming up with their own feeling, coming up with their own emotion or their own logic, or are they interlinked? Because there's it's more power, obviously, you know, if we don't have to tell someone what to think, but they, they come up with the idea or the thought or the emotion themselves. It's obviously way more persuasive and powerful. It, have I managed to encapsulate that correctly there? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, we've got to be careful about, again, we talked about influence and persuasion in a previous podcast. Um, you know, rhetorical questions is a device, if you like, it's an instrument to help persuade, to create uh, an impact, to have effect on the other person. To actually say it's a persuasive uh, tool, I think is a bit strong. It's, it's a in other words, you're trying to guide the other person into your way of thinking. Um, because the whole point about a rhetorical question is that you know the answer already, generally. Um, and actually, the listener knows the answer. Um, it's a question purely used as a device for them to be directed to your way of thinking by allowing them to think about it themselves, if that makes sense, Gary. Yeah, it does make sense. So, you know, I think, could you perhaps give um, your your top rhetorical question to use, or perhaps even your, your top three, and I can speak to you about each one in turn so that we can dissect them. But is there one that you use in everyday language or one go-to way of using a rhetoric question? Uh, you got me on the spot there. <laughs> I mean, I've got to think about how I speak personally now. Um, but if I can give you an example, uh, uh, if you like a technical example, um, I'll give you an example of what's called a double rhetoric question. Okay. Um, and I hope this makes it a bit clear. Let me say something. I'm talking to a company, uh, I'm talking to the staff, for instance, and I say something like, are we going to win the contract? And the answer to that is what I say straight away, is the Pope Catholic? So let me just rephrase that. Are we going to win this contract? Is the Pope Catholic? Now, the answer to whether the Pope is Catholic or not is the answer is yes. Now, that infers that the answer to the first question, are we going to win this contract, is a yes. Um, the whole point about this is that people, when you've said, are we going to win the contract, people are thinking, well, we might, we might not. I've just stated an affirmative, is the Pope Catholic? That does not need to be answered. Everybody knows the Pope's Catholic. I mean, I'm being very simple here. Um, there's another one that, as a throwaway, um, is, you know, very often you hear as a, a, you know, an idiom, if you like, but used as a, uh, a rhetorical question, is the sky blue? 
so sorry for any, um, just on the the idiom point of view, we're actually going to do a podcast on idioms at a later date. But what I guess what you're saying with a rhetorical questioning is that there's more power in allowing the other person to come to the answer yes or to an answer in their head than you giving it to them. So if you say if we're going to win this contract and you say yes we are, that's nowhere near as powerful as are we going to win this contract is the Pope Catholic? Because actually, when I come, is the Pope, it, I can envisage in my mind thinking the answer yes. And it's coming from inside. It's not coming outwardly. It's coming from me. And that's way more per- persuasive. I feel like I've come up with the answer myself. Is that is that a, a direct, perfect example of how to use rhetoric? Yes, yes, it is. It's, it's not, you've, you've, you've packaged that quite well. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, Gary, we could spend hours on, the, on this subject. Um, but I, I'd like to just mention that the, the skill of using rhetorical questions is used very often by politicians, as, you, as we all know, um, and by expert communicators. And a rhetorical question can be used um, at the beginning of something. Um, so how are we going to win this contract? Now, that doesn't need to be answered because the next 10 minutes is me telling everybody how we're going to win this contract, okay? But it puts that thought in their minds. It frames the subject I'm going to be talking about. A rhetorical question can be used to end something. So if I said something to you or to our listeners, you know what, Gary? If you and I don't talk about rhetorical questions to our listeners, then who will and when? And that's it. That's power. In other words, I've just finished uh, what we've been talking about. And you're, there are times when a rhetorical question is answered silently in a listener's mind, okay, because you've uh, had an impact on what you've been talking about. There's a time when a rhetorical question is used as an opening statement because you are then going to explain the answer. And there's a time when, you know, you're going to close exactly what you've said with a question that you've already answered it with what you've previously said. You've already answered it and it just confirms to the audience exactly what you have said. I need to delve into this a little bit more. So specifically, the closing of a a speech or a presentation, to use a rhetorical question there, I guess... For example, if you're going to end a speech and say, right now, if you take today's lesson, you can go and utilize it um, in board meetings. You can go and utilize it with friends at home or you can go and use it with family. That would be an on the nose way of finishing a presentation. But from my understanding, what you're saying is there's more power in using a a rhetorical question instead of just laying it out there, such as. um, So I think you all know how best to use what we've learned today or is that is there a better way of phrasing that yeah um you know again it's technique it's what you're comfortable with and obviously your subject but i mean based again using your words just now i've just spoken about use utilizing a certain form of uh, communication and my last words in a rhetorical question technique would be so why wouldn't we ladies and gentlemen utilize this technique with our family And they are my last words. It does not have to be answered. I've just spoken about the utilization of this communication that I've been spoken about. And the rhetoric question at the end, my final words would be, so why wouldn't you, ladies and gentlemen, utilize this technique with your family and your company? So I guess the way of knowing whether you've um, utilized a rhetorical question well 
is that people don't ask for you to explain further. So if you're going to end with a rhetorical question, if someone asks you further questions, and I guess you haven't crafted it well enough. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. The whole point about it is a rhetorical question doesn't need to be answered or it's answered by yourself. Um, as I said, let's go back. You can set up a whole communication, whether it's with a, an individual, a friend, family or business. Your first words out of your mouth is a rhetorical question. You allow a pause. They don't know the answer to it, but you are, you then explain the answer. Um, it, it provoking thought. They think about it. Then you give the answer. At the end of something you've said, it just reinforces everything you've said. Um, so exactly um, the the point about a rhetorical question is for effect, impact, and its persuasive quality about getting across an idea or concept that you wish to put across to somebody else, to a third party. It is a technique. It is a figure of speech. It is not a question per se. It's uh, The word question actually is a bit of a misnomer. It's almost like a statement, but it isn't. It's a technique. It's a device. And used in the right way um, is incredibly effective. But, you know, we must be careful not to litter our speech or our writing with rhetoric questions. They are used intermittently and in the right place. And they do have to be crafted. And you do have to have some type of skill at putting together a rhetorical question at the right time and at the right place. Thus, you've kind of got on to my next question there. Um, have you got a specific thought process that you use in crafting a rhetorical question at the end? Is it, you know, do you think about what emotions you want to do? What logic? How, how do you go about crafting it yourself? What's your process for doing it? Poor Gary, you're really putting me on the spot today. Um, I suppose, you know, if you strip me away as a professional, I suppose I use, uh, I try and, and go for emotion. I'm an emotional guy. I speak with passion. I, I, I think about things with passion. Um, rather than the logical way. Um, in, a, in a corporate presentation, very dour, um, then perhaps you're going to use logic. But in normal conversation to the man and woman in the street, to families um, and in business, to colleagues, perhaps emotion is the best way. How to frame a, um, how to actually craft a, a rhetorical question, obviously you've got to have your key words in there. Uh, it's got to be a repetition of what you've spoken about or re or preempting what you're about to speak about. Um, different ways of doing it. Um, you, you know, there's something called question tags, which the English language uses a lot. And a very simple way of asking a, a rhetorical question without going into the depths of it. And as you know, I'm a writer, so, you know, it is my profession. But trying to bring it back down to a, a basic level is to use a question tag. Now, if you don't mind, a, a question tag is where you make a statement and you follow up with a question tag like, aren't you? Do you? Do I? Haven't we? Have we? So um, w I would say something to you, Gary, said, we did a good podcast today, didn't we? Now, you don't need to answer that. My intonation and that question ta tag, didn't we, is almost me saying to you, we did a good podcast today. I love that. And that is a really good takeaway um, of how people can begin to start using that technique. So these are called question tags. And would you mind 
just again slowly going through the question tags that you advise people use after a statement so have we haven't we i think there's a you you said three or four would you mind just reiterating them again Okay, well, let me throw one out here that it will touch everybody's emotion. How many times have we said in our lives to people uh, we love, you do love me, don't you? You do love me, don't you? Now, actually, that requires a question. That's because of intonation. Um, But if I said it in a different way, you do love me, don't you? Don't you? Don't you? Don't you? That's intonation, and one of the reasons why the English language is so fascinating is we don't have accents. French, Spanish, other languages have accents, um, which gives you the intonation. We don't have accents, so we use our voice a lot. Anyway, that's another story. Um, But uh, a question tag is where you use the verb that you used in the statement, do, have, make, uh, you know, whatever it is, give, um, and you turn it around and you put a little question tag so um you done you did that didn't you gary sorry you did that gary didn't you um have you got that for me no uh i'm 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 not giving you the question tag but it's um it's where the question at the end uses the auxiliary verb in the sentence so um you made that coffee didn't you um i did do that didn't i um i didn't do that did i Uh, And one other thing from an English perspective is this, that if you use it in the positive in your statement, I did that, you use the question tag in the negative, didn't I? If I use it in the negative, I didn't do that, did I? You use the positive in the question tag. However, there is a technique for impact where you use positive and positive. Um, I did that. Uh, uh, You did that, did you? You did that, did you? And that's irony. In other words, I'm suggesting that you didn't do it. You did that, did you? You love me, do you? You love me, do you? It means you don't love me. So, so when, you, when you're using a, a positive and positive, it's irony. That's really interesting. I've, I've never come across that before. Which irony, as you know, is, of, is particular to us as Englishmen or Brit- Brits. Um, nobody else really gets the gets irony. It's not sarcasm, but irony by definition means the opposite. So, for instance, it's raining outside um, and it's grey and it's miserable. We would say as irony to each other, "What a beautiful day we've got today." You know, that's complete irony. So you would say, "What a beautiful day we've got today," don't we? Would da- no? Do, uh, how would you make that too positive? So we've got a beautiful day today. Yeah. The, the, the context is that it's purely just irony. I'm not talking about question. I'm not talking about question tags. I'm just saying that irony. So when you use positive and positive, okay, it actually means the opposite. So once again, you do love me, do you? You do love me, do you? That means you don't. I'm, I'm questioning you. But if I say you do love me, don't you? You do love me, don't you? That actually is a question answering yes or no. Okay, so I think the best thing to do here is can we, if we just bring this down to um, the basics again, so just to go through what we've gone through, because actually what you're talking about, Mark, for you probably seems quite simple. I'm struggling a little bit just to follow everything. So if we if we just go with the question tags, so I think this is going to be the biggest takeaway um, for me personally. So I'd like to utilize the fact that you're here to ask you a bit more. So when you're using a question tag, you would use a statement with either a positive or negative um, phrase, and then you would use the opposite to ask a question. So for example, um, these, mic- um, these headphones are really nice, aren't they? Mm. 
That's absolutely right. Um, these questions are really nice, aren't they? The statement is influencing me and you're confirming it and you're asking me to agree in my mind, yes, they are, Gary. Very often we, we say to our friends, don't we, and we say to um, to colleagues or loved ones, um, uh, you know, what I've just said, that's right, isn't it? That's right, isn't it? That's right is a statement, isn't it, is a rhetorical question. In other words, it will be a very hard for somebody to say, no, Mark, you're not. So by adding uh, question tags into our statements, what we're doing is allowing the other person to understand what we're trying to communicate better because they have to answer their own question because it's a rhetorical question. So that enables... So, so I'm imagining then that if I include this into my dialogue that I'm going to get people to be more engaged because there are times now, especially in 2018 or 2000, I don't know where we are, 2019, <laughs> well, I'm getting confused, but there's, there's, there's times now where people are so distracted and they're on their phones and they're not paying attention. So actually using rhetorical devices, such a rhetorical question, allow the other person to be more engaged when we're speaking. It allows them to follow us along the path of what we're trying to get them to do. I can really see the power of utilizing this, not only in like board meetings, but in everyday situations, just when you're having a coffee with someone or having a chat or speaking online. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's vital that people understand this. It's part of communication. It's only a small part, but it's a, a great technique. It's a great device. But, you know, we, we've just been speaking about question tags. That is, you know, the, the easiest way to try and explain to somebody who doesn't really know how to craft a, a rhetorical question, doesn't write speeches, doesn't speak very often to audiences. A question tag is a, in, in the English language is a very simple way of asking a rhetorical question. Um, and to your point about uh, the validity of it, que rhetorical questions, whether it's in question tag form or not, is an incredibly important part. It's their signposts. They're signposts along the way uh, of your speech or what you're trying to say. They are reinforcing the impact. They're reinforcing your message. Um, they're reinforcing the topic, if you like, by getting somebody or people to agree with you in their minds. Okay? To agree with you in your minds. But we must be careful that too many rhetorical questions can sound a bit bullish because remember, you're asking them something that you're hoping they will answer in the way that you want in their minds. Too many can sound bullish, not said in the right way, um, can sound a bit arrogant. And you do have to take care of your intonation. Because if uh, I, I've, I've given you some examples, if your intonation goes up, then people will want to answer it physically or verbally. You have to be careful of your intonation when using and, and the context and the place in which you use it um, to actually have to, to maximize the effect of a rhetorical question. So I take from that to mean that when you're using a rhetorical question, that you should make it sound like a statement. Although it's a question, it's really a statement and you speak it like a statement. So you don't have an intonation up at the end, because if you do that, people will want to answer it verbally. Whereas if you say it like a statement and you're either equal or you go lower, people won't want to physically answer it out loud. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right there. But I mean, again, it's such a, the, the, the minutiae of this, this is where it comes into skill. If you happen to be talking for a period of time, now that could be two minutes, three minutes of talking, having a conversation and you, you're having the conversation for a longer period, then you can 
ask a rhetorical question um, with an intonation up. It sounds like a question. It's not a statement. It sounds like a question, but you'll pause after it. And because you're speaking, the audience know you're going to be saying something else. They've answered it in their mind. However, if it's a throwaway rhetorical question in a bar, um, something on an informal basis, then I would say, yeah, keep your intonation down so it's clear it's a rhetorical question. You know, so again, I think it's very important for people to understand rhetorical question is a skill. Uh, It's an art. It's an art form. It has to be crafted, but it's also very much part of context, what you're saying, when you're saying it and to who you're saying it and to what effect you want to use it. 